Hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, Views from the Bridge, which is a Philadelphia Union podcast run by a bunch of people that um, were either told at various points that it wasn't going to work or, you know, just wanted to make another Union podcast because they felt like their opinions were important. So we're here. Uh, I'm your de facto host and pack leader, Evan Valella. Hi. Um, you might have seen me in various places, but mostly around the USL club. Uh, but my, you know, first love before the Bethlehem Steel, or the Beth Chester Steel, I guess as people are referring to them as, uh, was the Philadelphia Union. So, um, I'm here. I'm the one tweeting all the weird cryptic stuff with pictures of the Commodore Barry Bridge, and this is why. So, congratulations, you found it. Um, joining me on this lovely adventure is uh, a couple of friends of mine, one being uh, the lovely Chuck Booth. Chuck, what's up? How's it going? I'm pretty good. Cool, cool. Living, living your best life, trying to live your best life? Yeah, attempting, um, currently um, mired in middle of nowhere Delaware for the moment. Right on, right on. After, But after the game this week, like that's where you want to be, right? Eh, I want to be drinking okay. my sorrows away, but I'm doing Fair that enough. too, so we're good. Cool, cool. Cheers! <laughs> um, the voice that you just heard was the voice of someone that I refer to as Cat, which I think I'm the only person to ever do that, but whatever. Uh, Paul Catrino Jr. Uh, yeah, no, that's actually my dad's nickname in high school. Nice. So uh, I am Cat Jr. Oh, I love it. Does not oh. roll off the tongue very well. I but uh, it does. It's it's. Oh, it's your new name. It's great. Yeah, everything fine. super. Everything I could have <laughs> wanted and more. Great. <laughs> and uh, and and the uh, third and final member I'm introducing. It's not me. And the fourth member of our Fatal Four, uh, Mr. Justin Ashcraft. Yeah, what's up, Evan? How's it going, brother? It's going, it's going. Dude, I'm glad that I don't have to hate you on this podcast. No, it's no, so this is good, this is good. If anybody doesn't get that reference, I'm also a member of the Mongols crew, who covers the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, the, yeah. you know, cross-state rival of the Bethlehem Steel. Uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that'll be it for USL Talk on the show. It's great. It's refreshing. Um... Anyway, guys, uh, it is uh, currently the end of week one in, in the middle uh, with Atlanta and D.C. playing on in the background, in the distance for me. Um, the Philadelphia Union have, in fact, played a match. Um, but first, I guess I just want to know, like, what were your thoughts about the offseason uh, in terms of either player acquisitions? Obviously, there was the big one in Marco Fabian. Um, but a couple other guys came in as well, and then I don't know if there's anything else you want to add as far as, like, I felt happy when this happened. Like, that's totally cool. <laughs> I think uh, Tanner really showed his stripes in the way he's going to approach being a general manager, technical yes. director in an MLS club. I think he realizes that it's not just going to be, here's a sack of money, try to spend all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I think he's uh he's really looking to reach and find that talent that if the measurables are there, they should in theory translate very well to yep. the MLS game. And you see that in uh like the Wagner signing as well on top of Marco Fabian, um obviously a different tier of player and mm -hmm. all that, but I kind of see how he's going to approach it, but also he's willing to splash a little cash, which is mm. very, very refreshing. Um, I'd say part of my favorite thing 
is Tanner's transparency and the fact yes. that he came in and essentially said, fuck the MLS on day one. Um, <laughs> trading away every single draft pick and saying, these guys are all too old to be in my system and I need to use Bethlehem <laughs> to develop 16-year-olds yeah. to be ready for this yes. team is yep. the perfect way to announce yourself to this league. Yes. He went galaxy brain right off the jump because I love that he traded away all of his draft picks to Cincinnati who like didn't know what they were getting into. So like they probably overpaid, um, which is, which is, I mean, that's smart. Uh, and then he went and grabbed five international slots from USL teams. Yeah. Which I like, mean... what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's, pretty much the way you play the system if yeah. you know how to do so yeah. like if people are willing to pay the price for it you fleece everyone yeah. <laughs> especially if you're trying to be a cutthroat philadelphia general manager yeah so i mean i have to start my off-season thoughts with keegan rosenberry um yes and i think like yesterday's game makes it even more frustrating about that move like mm. i don't I honestly think, like, what we got for Keegan and what we got for CJ tells you something about, like, how Philadelphia thought about Keegan Rosenberry or how Colorado I or how Chicago thought about. See, I don't I don't even know where to start with that whole transaction. Yeah. Well, but sure. it's like for me, like we're trading away somebody who had made an all star team, had been in U.S. Mm. camps. Mm-hmm. And, like, CJ had two, I guess, in the same time period. But at the same time, you're looking at a six-year, five-year age gap between the two of them, and you get more for the older player? I don't know. I was a little bit yeah. frustrated with that. But, I mean... But I guess that's how... Goal scoring, goal scoring matters in this league. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, it, it is tough because I think Chicago is in a situation where they see a guy who's basically being um, who's being frozen out of his position because oh, he sure. doesn't really work in the formation and mm-hmm. they feel like I feel like they got him for a relatively good deal and then like you said you look at a young defender like Keegan and it's um, I don't I definitely think they did not get enough for him mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, if you feel like someone fits the system better in Mbizo, do you, you know, mm. you want to start rolling with that right away? You just can't. He's avoiding a logjam situation. With yeah, sure. Move. You know, because at that point, you know, that's where the fans get even more divided on a subject related to this yep. team. And the yep. last thing you need in the Philadelphia Union organization is more <laughs> division. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, um, while Keegan and CJ were both traded, we did not see either of their replacements actually start yesterday. So this is still inconclusive. And yeah. Keegan was traded and still gave up three goals yesterday. So I think the union are even at this current point in time. Yeah. I, and the other thing, too, is I actually um, think Colorado might have paid a little bit too much for CJ. Um, you mean Chicago? Yeah. Chicago paid too much. Yeah, for yeah, Chicago paid too much for CJ. Yeah, I mean, he's um, a 29-year-old striker on a team. Uh, yikes. On a team with what six people who can play striker? 
Like right. you should have been able and to get him for well, nothing. And and yeah. they paid that much for who you know someone who's kind of a backup to Nikolic, I'd imagine. Um, I mean their their formation might change as well. And then Rosenberry has a couple incentives and things where he could actually at the end of the year uh, cost Colorado four hundred thousand. So you know the jury's still out on those. I, I I like that if they were going to trade Keegan, they at least trade him to the Western Conference, so they don't necessarily have oh, yeah, to deal with sure. getting burned like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then the other thing too, um, like you were saying with the with the division part, what's going to help as far as um, I don't know, like lessening that division is when your front office makes very planned out and calculated moves like that mm-hmm. where it's not three months of not hearing anything like we had with Stewart. it's okay here's what we're doing here's what we want to do we're going to do it now yeah sure sure yeah so and i i like that nothing got really in his way yes. of doing that he yeah. kind of came in and said these this is what i have to work with let's get mm-hmm. started mm-hmm. and you know i feel like he didn't move anyone that was irreplaceable on this team you know let's face it a philadelphia union team that barely snuck into the playoffs last year and got bounced not many people are untouchable but he knows what he has that works here yep and is very conscious of making sure that whoever doesn't work here just has to go at Mm -hmm. that point Mm -hmm. you know Fill that void with a young player and give them the opportunity to get MLS experience, if not at the game level, at least day-to-day activity. Right. You know, give them that chance instead of causing more problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to see some of the, I don't know, first signs of that uh, with the game against Toronto yesterday. Uh, or Saturday, I suppose. You won't be hearing this Sunday night. So, uh Saturday, March the 2nd, uh, the Josie Altidoreless Toronto uh, FC come in. Um, I was actually feeling kind of optimistic when I saw Josie wasn't going to be starting. Um, I've liked what Jordan Hamilton's done at a lower level and, and just kind of am a fan of how he plays, but he's certainly not Josie Altidore. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought maybe them not having Josie would make things a little interesting or, or a little easier for the union. Um, but there was some problems <laughs> some of them in the team's control some of them out of the team's control um i will say uh i saw a lot of people talk about how the um you know oh it's a new system and things like that and as much as i think that's true with with tanner and as much as i'm willing to let them have that for the first month of the season um a lot of these players at least to the organization are are known quantities and the, oh, well, it's, it's a new year and it's a new system is a little tired when you've heard that for, we'll call it seven years. Sure. So. Yeah, just not many fans want to hear that. No, 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 and it's understandable. Ever again with this organization, (laughs) if a guy was brought in to be a long-term solution to that problem. Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. You know, you can, in that sense, also make the argument that, well, it's his first year, Mm -hmm. give it some time. Now, if this happens every year after that, 
then we're getting into repetition, but yes. it's basically just been repetition the entire existence of this organization. Yep. It, which people are sick and tired of it, and I I don't blame anyone who's a fan of this team for thinking that way. I really can't. It's super, super pessimistic and a terrible way to think about everything, mm-hmm. especially a professional sports team, but... yes. It's Philadelphia. I, uh, what can you do? <laughs> it's tough because it's a new system. Half explains things, but it doesn't fully explain them. Because with the elephant in the room, we all know Harris Badudian does not have a defensive bone in his body. Yet, he was the defensive midfielder in a diamond midfield. Mm-hmm. These things don't make sense. Yeah. Well, and I, I like his distribution. I appreciate what he brings offensively. Um, I know, you know, the tricky part is that's a lot of money to not have on the field with with him because it's they're not going to drop him. They're not going to drop Bedoya. Um, so that's a lot of money to leave out. But at the same time, like if it's that much of a defensive um, liability, you got to do something for it. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's... Man, you... And for as passionate as he clearly is about the team and, and you know, the guys that he plays with and things like that, it's, it's really uh, frustrating from a defensive standpoint. I mean, you're also looking at an organization that for the good part of a year and a half told Charlie Davies and Jay Simpson to go be the water boys for this team, yeah. you know? And yeah. that was nearly 40% of the Philadelphia Union salary, mm. basically sitting there and shining shoes. Right. I, I think this team isn't afraid to not play the money that they spent, but Jim needs to realize, I, Jim Curtin, needs to realize we're on a first name basis that he, <laughs> he doesn't you're right now we yeah, yeah. We, we bump into each we're other good friends he'll, he'll take it in stride yeah, he'll take it in stride you know casual stuff yeah yeah um he needs to realize that it, all it takes is a simple simple shift yeah to be able to make that work and evan yeah. you speak to that very highly where you think all it is is one player needs to be removed moved over yeah. and um, dropped in it's i i um uh, being a a uh i don't know homegrown player uh devotee i suppose <laughs> at this point i don't know um i've i've known uh i've watched and, and known all those guys that have come up now through the system and justin you can kind of attribute or or, or co-sign to uh the wonders of Derek jones in usl when he was there but, you know, DJ, he's tall, he's athletic, he's strong on the ball, he can pick a pass, and what he does that Harris doesn't is he wins the ball. Mm. Defensively. He's not afraid to go in for challenges, he's not afraid to pick up cards for, you know, actual tackles and things like that. Um, and he, you know, he can break forward and make those bombing kind of uh, Yaya Toure-esque runs, uh, you know, through the middle of the park, too. Um, and 
I don't think Ilsenio should be playing 90 minutes. Clearly, they agree with me this year because he got 74 before um, what was it? Uh, Fafa came on for him. Um, but I just think if you have Jonesy play that opening 60 or whatever you want and then bring on a guy like Ilsenio who can do all those skill moves and isn't – well, I shouldn't say isn't afraid. The only thing that he does is take guys on one-on-one for better or worse – it's going to be a lot easier when those guys are tired from having to deal with Bedoya, Jones, uh, Fabian, and um, Madunianen as a midfield diamond. Because that should scare people, if that's the four. I think that's a really, really solid midfield. And I know, you know, Jones is untested in MLS right now, but if that's the kind of defensive performance you're going to get from Medellin, let's switch that around a little bit and move to something that I think complements Ilsenio and, and Harris a little better than what we tried uh, yesterday. I don't know. Um, Justin, does that sound crazy? <laughs> no, no. I, I like, I see it as a simple, like, it's a simple tactics versus players, like, combination that you've got to yes. come to, right? So yeah. I think that diamond midfield works if you give Madunian and help. And the problem yeah. is yet yet like on Saturday against Toronto, they did not give Madunian and help. Like and I, I felt and like Gattis I saw didn't it, do him any favors, I don't think. I felt I saw it every time Toronto like Philadelphia moved up the field. Toronto had eight people behind the ball. They had their both lines of four sitting behind the ball, and sometimes they even had nine people behind the ball. And right. we're sitting there, and a lot of times when Toronto's attacking us we're defending with five because El mm-hmm. Senior is not going to play defense. Bedoya right. out on the left wing is not going to play defense. Fabian doesn't need to play defense because Shouldn't we need him to. up the field. Yep. And so you need to pull Bedoya back yep. and you need to put somebody on the right who is willing to track back a little bit. David Akam mm-hmm. is willing to track back a little bit. Yeah. There's your fix. You could fix it that way too. Or you Santos just go to a to line of back. four. You know, Burke, so it's when like, he kind of thinks he can win a ball, can track back. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, and Fabian will track back too if he yeah, needs yeah. to. But none yeah. of those guys were tracking back yesterday. All four of them were staying up front. Uh, like all five of them actually were staying up front of the field, going, "Okay, like let's get these outlet passes," which mm. we saw some signs that were good yesterday. But when you don't mm. have a ball winner to get the ball and then send it up the field, you can't counter. And that's what we saw yesterday. You can't counter with somebody who can't win the ball as a defensive midfielder. Yes. And and if you look at the structural formation, most of the times when they're sitting back and letting Toronto build up, there was no urgency to get back. Mm-hmm. It was almost as if later mm-hmm. in the game, guys like Fabian and Akam were realizing, dude, if I don't get back there, they're going to score again. Right. And they're just going to score again. Yeah. It It's almost as if the mindset of that team is Harris can do enough and Bedoya mm. is, you know, mm. a workhorse enough that mm. they can kind of take care of themselves in the middle of the field when, in in all fairness to this team, as skilled as they are, they simply can't do that. Exactly. They can't. I mean, it doesn't work. It won't work. The other person that this formation probably needs to see a lot more of is also Anthony Fontana because, like Derek Jones, he's mm-hmm. someone who's going to put in a mm-hmm. defensive shift and he's also someone that's not a six or an eight. So being in yeah. this midfield <laughs> properly helps him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Fontana and Aronson both have played every part of the midfield 
uh, at least as far as defensive mid or, you know, like six, eight or 10 um, throughout their careers to this point. Like I have more faith in Warren Craval winning a ball back defensively than Harris. I mean, at a certain point of that game, I would have much rather seen Craval right. at the base of that with two shuttlers and, and, ahead of him. And like, it's not, I, I, it's, it feels like the union think they're onto this huge secret with Derek Jones that they're just waiting to unleash for God knows what, um, the problem being that everyone knows that he's supposed to be really good and everyone just wants to see him be good. Like MLS front offices aren't like, well, do we, do we sign Derek Jones now? Cause like, we kind of know that he's good. Cause like, if you're going to sell Jonesy off in a fictional world, wouldn't you rather him show that he's the best that he can possibly be before you sell him so you can get the most money for him? Like, isn't that how it's supposed to work? I just, I don't like the whole like sell Derek Jones thing to me is bizarre because you're not going to get a lot of money for him right now. And there's clearly a place for him or Fontana or Aronson or Craval or whatever on this team. But, like, I don't know if, if maybe Harris, like you were saying, Paul, like, showed enough in preseason that they were like, oh, like, he's okay. Um, but it is, it's just very bizarre to me when you have that, like, wealth of youth talent that we've seen with Trusty and, you know, Mark McKenzie and even a guy like Corey Burke, who they didn't, you know, grow up through the academy, but they found them um where you have these like proven guys that can contribute to your team and you're using all of them except for your center defensive mids yeah i don't know and if it's the most glaring issue right right why is that an afterthought right like i mean i I won't (laughs) sit here and say that i'm built to run or manage an mls organization right but Go ahead and watch that game over again. Yeah. And tell me where you see the worst issue yeah. on this union team. Yeah. I don't want to be. Also, their field is garbage. It was not great. I, I, no, it, it's terrible. I don't understand because I saw in very, very <laughs> noticeable social media posts that the Philadelphia Union were getting a new field. Yeah. And they were, they ripped everything up. And they put the new stuff down, mm-hmm. and it had the winner to sit, and they took really great care of it. And there was a guy who had to run on the field yep. every three minutes <laughs> yep. every to stop put play about. together yeah. a puzzle yeah. of holes yeah. Yeah. on that field. I I could see why Ernie Stewart was down on that field every yeah. halftime, like on that field, complaining to the union people going why are you doing these activities on this field you're going mm-hmm. to break it you're gonna break yeah. it <laughs> i yeah. i don't know their their training field looks nicer yeah. cleaner less patchier than their actual field yeah how are you supposed to compete on that yeah I, and we I, saw that last week right with the u.s women like last week yeah. i was like i'm watching that game and going this field is going to be in terrible shape on saturday night or Saturday afternoon. I was like, it's going to be slow. It's going to be hard to pass on. It's going to be bumbly. Like, this is not going to be in good shape for Saturday. And it wasn't. Yeah. No. Um, I don't want to be negative for the whole the whole no. thing. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, that would be uh, that would be a lot. Um, so Wait, you're I, not I, from I, Philadelphia? <laughs> no, I'm from just outside. I apologize. Um, 
But um, if uh, if if anyone would like to talk about things they liked, I'll mention one just because um, Gold Star for Jack Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, good lord, goes from being what like the the second place vote getter for Rookie of the Year two years ago, disappears, comes back opening opening week this season and does not miss a step. No, it was. The funny thing is... It was very nice to see. Yeah. Jack being able to um, just step in like that almost works as a fault to him because it means that he's going to forever be rotated in and out of the lineup. Yeah, maybe. I, I, like, he reads the game better than I think any center back I've ever seen, at least at this level, like, at least domestically in the U.S. Um, And he picks out a pass like crazy what? and i really like that pairing of elliot and trusty um and i think mckenzie would do just as well because they're all similar enough players um but there is speed on that back line and I, I don't know about you guys but i felt like watching that team um whenever a guy from toronto like got in on the defense if they were not fully behind trusty or elliot i felt like they had a chance at making a tackle and a couple times they did I mean, that's what I love about watching him play is him reading mm-hmm. the game and the fact that as coming up as a central defensive midfielder at West Virginia, yes. he's able to pick out a pass easier than most of the union midfielders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the reality is, like, even on both, even on even on the goals, um, you, both of those guys had their runners. Like, yes. There was not a not a chance either of those guys were going to score, like not a chance. Then Blake palms that one out. Medunian is not following Bradley. Like the other one, it gets cut back. No one's following Bradley again, and he right. it has an easy tap in. Like both of those goals, they had their runners covered, and they weren't going to score. And then somebody's not following the second runner. So I think mm-hmm. that was really good on both of them. Um, yeah, they both had a great game, I thought. I also, um, that Corey Burke, uh, Fafa Pico pairing Ugh. is going to be really fun. I was not yeah. a fan of it. <laughs> okay. Um, I think Burke works a lot better in the system than Sapal. Like, I, I really like Burke in the system because he knows how to win the ball out of the air and, and, can be physical um i know like obviously the shots weren't there it's um yeah i I mean i i'm just a lot more optimistic about that than i don't know my pride should be or than most people are um and then again i also thought that uh jay simpson's former number kai wagner played a really solid game and i saw people were saying that he was slow um but compared to his uh his fullback partner i thought he was uh he was quite good everyone's slow when they're running on sand field no that's fair yeah but no did did uh check did you have a thought about cory berg did you want to bring me back down to earth on on cory and fava <laughs> so i liked what cory did okay. and because he's great at being able to do what cj did in winning headers bringing them down yeah. and is a decent enough shooter to usually take his chances um yeah. I love Fafa Pico. He's yes. faster than most people on the field. Um, even though he's not a great passer, when you need him to make that assist to 
get you a game-winning goal, he can do it. The one thing that he cannot do for the life of him is finish his chances, and that's what we saw yes yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. Like he missed two chances in front of net that if he puts away, the Union probably walk away with all three points. And, at least a draw. For and sure. with him playing as a striker now instead of a winger, mm. you mm. don't have the license to miss chances in front of net. Right. To be fair, one of those two chances, Alejandro Bedoya also did not get a foot to. But, I mean, those two guys were pretty much, like, stacked on top of each other. And I think – was it – Ale and then Fafa, I think it was. So, like, Ale missed it, and then I just don't think Fafa knew that it was going to be right to him. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree. And, I'm honestly, I think that brings up a larger point for this team is that I'm very happy if you get a draw here. I don't know about – I mean, obviously, three points, awesome. Hooray, we did it. That's the best-case scenario, right? But yeah. a draw, opening week against Toronto, who in the last five games you have not played well against, by the way. Um if you get a draw here, it's fine. It's great. You know, it's a new system, but hey, like, there's a draw. It's working. We got a point. We're not, you know, starting off on zero. For a team to have that much of the ball and, like, not take great high percentage chances and then to lose is not... That's Like, wel- they cannot do this again this year. That's welcome to the union of last year territory right. because they right. dominated games. And then yeah. it would just be, wait, we're going into the half... Yeah. drawn or down, down one like what like yeah. Yeah, yeah what just happened yeah and I, I think it just comes back to as much as i love that passing soccer and as, as pretty as it is when it comes off for him shoot more take more chances yeah. there's a lot of I, I felt like there was a lot of passing and i felt like there's been a lot of passing inside of the box that just didn't need to happen i don't know yeah advertise marco fabian as the guy who scores worldies in mm. every competitive league he's ever been in. Yeah. But when the ball gets dropped back to him outside of the 18-yard box, he looks for the his pass. first instinct yeah. in this formation is to try to pass the ball to Il Sino. That should not be the case. Hey, to be fair, Il Sino can also score those worldies because those are the only goals he's able to score. But he <laughs> also shouldn't be starting though, for this when you team. can break someone's ankles. What's what, Ilsenio is the and one mixtape tour of the Philadelphia Union. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, man, that was really entertaining, but like, that doesn't look like um, soccer. Do you, but Marco I, Fabian is the dude perfect of this oh, team, whereas oh, where he's anywhere really on the you. field and he'll put <laughs> it in the net. Hey, to and be he's fair, probably going to make Mar- the union a fair amount of money in merch sales and tickets, so you're not you're not wrong. All right. I mean, Marco he Fabian did. also played a great game and did create four good he did. chances. He did in over the course of the game. Yeah, that DP signing is looking real nice for Philly right now. Yeah. And that's what I said. I think I think Fabian like Fabian looked what Dodgecall looked three quarters of the way through the season in the first yeah. game. Like yes. if he can if he can figure out MLS that fast, like if he's got it already, then like I can't imagine what he's gonna do the rest of the season based on how long it took Dodgecall to figure out this league and then yeah. get on a tear, you know? And that's what I well, think I was a hopeful sign for me for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think part of what makes Fabian 
like so easily adaptable is that he played for Chivas, Guadalajara. And like Liga MX East is like a super physical league. Mm-hmm. So that like physical play, and I mean, obviously he's played against the U.S. men's national team. Um, so like that, that physical play doesn't bother him. And he's just no. kind of used to it. I mean, maybe not so much yeah. in Germany, but he's he's played in physical leagues before. Um, and that's something that I think it took Dotschkoll and, and Medignanen and even, I guess, to a lesser extent, Bedoya time to get used to. And he yeah. just comes in and goes, okay, it's cold now, and guys are throwing elbows. I'm, I'm cool. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Uh, guys, I'm, I'm very excited. We um, haphazardly came up with a, with a final segment, and I'm, I'm so excited for it. Um, you don't know the name of it. I came up with it very hastily. Uh, every week, we are going to give out our golden conseil. <laughs> which is uh, a little bit of a history lesson. Anderson Conceição was a center back that the Philadelphia Union signed, I'm going to say, two years ago? Two or three yeah, years ago. Yeah, you're right. Two years ago? Yeah. Uh, from Brazil. He was supposed to be this big uh, big marquee signing, a la a Steven Vitoria, a la a Rice and Bully. The list goes on. Um, he spent most of his time playing for the USL affiliate Bethlehem Steel, where I wanted to... Uh, send him back to brazil uh, myself like just drive him down there um and he made one appearance for the union and played 90 minutes and was never seen from again uh ergo our worst thing of the week will get the golden conceso <laughs> apologies to anderson if he is in fact uh, listening to this podcast uh but sorry bud you get the uh you get the wooden spoon treatment here um I don't know. Do we all want to nominate one thing? I think I know what our answer is going to be, which is why I'm not really just saying what mine is. Yeah, I I feel like we should have the primary answer that we all have as well as secondary yes. answers. Okay, I can do that. Sure. Um, Chuck, since you came up with that idea, I would love to hear you start. Um, my secondary answer is Ray Gattis. I Thank don't you. need to see it. I love the guy. He's yes. a, an awesome human wonderful He's person decent death because he can play both sides i yes. don't need to see him starting another game for this team yes um him not covering for when his center backs were marking people and madunian would lose someone coming into the box ended up helping result in a toronto goal and mm-hmm. the fact that he brings nothing Nothing going forward for this team when we're not playing with wingers makes him yes. a liability. One thousand <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul, do you have anything to add on that front? Given that I think your secondary answer will, in fact, be uh, Ramon Gaddis. <laughs> I like Ray Gaddis. Okay, hold on. Let me... as, as a human okay, being. All right, okay, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Let me... Qualifying. We we have all interacted. Justin, do you, have you met Ray Gaddis? I have. Okay, so we all know Ray yes. Gaddis. We all know that he is a wonderful person. This is not us saying Ray Gaddis is a bad person and we don't like him. We do. He's wonderful. He's great. This is why we can't run a soccer club, because we meet these guys and then we're like, oh, they're lovely. Um, and we get emotionally attached to them. I mean, I want him to so... retire with this team. Oh, he will. Um, with the, but retiring could be tomorrow, <laughs> and I would Jesus. not be mad. 
Anyway, with the caveat that anything we say about the front office or the people that are employed by it is not personal, but is strictly speaking from a on-the-field standpoint. Oh, we need to open Fire him into the sun. Uh, thanks, everybody. Um, just wanted to say that because, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, my dear friend, at least, Tom Villa of, of the Union Media um, staff will be listening to this. Uh, and he knows. But just in case, uh, you know, anyone else in the front office uh, hears this, we're not personally attacking you. It's just soccer. <laughs> yeah, Paul, uh, why is your uh, why is your answer rig at us? Now that I've cleared you of of a uh, personal attack, he simply looks lost on the wing. There's he's stuck between both sides. Like he wants to be in a good position to attack when he should be getting back and watching his run. Mm. He's trying to position himself in a place where he can do both, but he just can't do both it's 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 not a fault i mean sometimes you know uh fullbacks are only asked to sit back and cover those runs down the wing it's you know not a bad thing to not be good at doing both but this philadelphia union team needs a fullback to do both and if you can't you shouldn't start i yeah I, I still love you, Ray. There you go. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> uh, Justin? So, um, my secondary answer is actually going to be Jim Curtin. Um, okay, Ooh. I like it. I'm, I'm actually real not happy with him from yesterday, um, Saturday. I think, I think what he did was take maybe even potentially three players – out of a like and put them in a position where they cannot succeed. Like mm. I didn't think Bedoya played a terrible game, but he is completely ineffective and not a name that actually even helps us when he's out on the wing. Madunian yeah. can't defend as a central defender, and Ambazio should have been on the field yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So like the reality is like he actually put like Ambazio can't succeed on the bench. Bedoya isn't at his best on the wing, and Madunian can't defend without a helper. So he actually made three people less effective than they could be, and I think that's a sign of a bad job. I I will also... Um, I'm very swayed by your appeal. I will also say, <laughs> when you are down uh, two at that point, I believe. Yeah, well, all right, to be fair... Mm, okay, so you're down one. You're 60 minutes in. Why is your first substitution uh, six minutes after Toronto gets their second? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh... I, like, I like the sub. I like that it's Santos for Gaddis. Removing a weakness, putting on a potential strength. You move the formation to like a 3-4-3 three, three without the ball, like a 2-5-something with it, which was nice. Like I like the energy that Santos had, and, and I like that Akam came on for a senior after that. But, like, I always feel like Curtin waits too late to make that first substitution, especially if they're trailing. Um, and the other thing I'll say is, to the point about us having five people behind the ball, in MLS, if you're the home team, teams that come into your park are going to bunker against you. That's just how right. this works. That's literally every team in the league. Uh, right. With maybe, like, Red Bull being the only exception. Um, so, like, if Toronto can do it, that's going to be an issue because everyone's going to know that they can do it. 
my my complaint about Ray Gattis, who I'm ultimately giving this to, go watch the island that Jordan Hamilton was able to make in Chester by just standing far enough away from Ray Gattis. Mm-hmm. Mm. There was a year of space. Read a book. He could have started a country. Like, he could have started a sovereign nation with the amount of space the Union as a whole were giving him. <laughs> he almost did, I think. He could have reenacted the play that was named after him. Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> don't Please don't fact check that. Um, with, with how much space they gave him. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's the secondary award for the the Golden Conceição goes to uh, the very lovely, very nice, very kind, very humble Ray Gattis. Uh Even though my nomination was different, I agree. I'm not I'm not disagreeing. Well, with your opinion. I it just by, wanted to it give was, a different nomination. I appreciate yeah, you that. had a fair nomination. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. It was very good. Um, the Academy Award goes to La La Land. Uh, uh, um, guys, the 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 winner though. Of the Golden Kansai style for this week. Uh, mm, the man in yellow. The men in yellow. Mm. Yeah. To, to be was, fair to uh, him, and I'm not yes. I'm not disagreeing with this at all. But okay. to be fair to him, he was terrible both ways. Like there were a lot of he calls. He was terrible that, like, both ways. You're it, was not, it was not the- a thing about the union. <laughs> like this should not be this should not be seen as Philly fans being like, Oh my gosh, the ref screwed us again because that's not what happened. He was bad both ways. <laughs> I I would yeah, like to say, I I want to give it to two of the officials. Your head referee Nima Sagafi. I very much want to also give it to the VAR Alan Kelly for not shutting the hell up, because good lord, Nima Sagafi is the best <laughs> example we have of a referee whose confidence is just completely destroyed because they have VAR at their disposal. Because he would make a call, talk about it for two minutes, and then make it again. And it killed the flow of the game. I'm sure this was borderline unwatchable at home. It was borderline unwatchable Killed the flow of the game. Uh, Killed the flow of the game. Uh, Well, you're just saying that because the Union lost, too. But, like, killed the flow of the game. Every decision he would make, it would go to review. And, like, every decision down the stretch in the second half, you'd hear uh, the previous fouls being reviewed. And, And it's just like... We don't need this. Be right or be wrong, but just like be confident in your decision. And more than anything else that he did, more than me thinking that Michael Bradley probably shouldn't have been on the field for the end of the second half, like the just lack of confidence that he has is troubling to me. It's true. So that's where I land on that. I don't know. I don't, again, I don't care if he makes all the wrong calls. Just be confident in those calls. Yeah, the plot was easily lost. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe a few minutes into the second half. Like, yeah, that first half, he had enough bad calls to fill an entire game's worth. And He met his quota wanna, for, like, the first half of the season, yeah. Yeah, we want to hope that that's not the way it's going to, you know, they can kind of talk it out and be like, yes. listen, yeah, yeah. I kind of oh, feel yeah. like we got a few things wrong in that half. Let's go yes. ahead and try to clean it up. Let these guys play a bit. I know they're getting super physical in the way they're approaching it, but then dish out the discipline. Yes. I mean, Michael Bradley, yeah. my good Lord. If it was anybody else, been, he's not on the field. Should not have finished that game. 
Yeah. I, I mean, if not for being subbed off because he was absolutely about to get a red card. Yeah. Or simply the fact that he took down so many guys in a physical way that he should have just been given a second yellow. Mm-hmm. But for him to tail between the legs, lost it. Yeah. Absolutely lost it. And it was frustrating to watch because there was something every three or four minutes in that game that you look at it and go, what's going on? It, he's he's ruined, he's ruined an opportunity. Mm-hmm. He has completely just shut off the game. Mm-hmm for some reason or another. And I think every side can agree. Even Toronto, you look objectively, there were some bad calls against them. Bad ones. But as a Philadelphia, you know, the fan will look at it and go, well, he's clearly making up for the bullshit two minutes ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was bad. Chuck, anything to to add? For me, as... As an official, if I learn your name during the game, that's a problem. And I Ooh. learned Nima Sagafi's name uh, during... <laughs> quickly. Extra- way too quickly. Um, and that is enough reason alone yes. to give him a golden conseso. <laughs> mm. Very yeah. good. God, I love that. Oh, it works. It's good. Um, guys, let's make a deal. Uh, instead of plugging our individual social medias, let's just plug the pod social media, and we'll link. Uh, we'll we'll put like a pin message to all of our places to find us uh, on said Twitter. So uh, if you want to interact with us, tell us how bad we're doing. Uh, you know, get updated when episodes drop, things like that. Uh, what is it? VFTV Pod views from the bridge, pod, uh, but shortened because we didn't want to have a thirty-letter Twitter handle. So VFTB Pod on the Twitters. Uh, yell at us, tell us how wrong we are, tell us that you don't want us to exist, whatever. Um, it happens. We uh, made it super simple for you guys. It's we did. just a few letters. It's just a couple letters. It's only uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. There's really no way that you can screw up two of them in the middle. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, multiple not at all. times. No, no, no. I don't know why you would do that. Um, I think I may be one of the worst social media people of all time. Maybe. Because I misspelled our (laughs) abbreviation of the podcast. Not once, but twice. Twice. To the point where I I honestly thought you were dyslexic. Yeah, I I really, like, I was like, man, do I make fun of him again? Or, like, am I I concerned? Um, Yeah, because at some some point you're just a jerk for bringing it up. Yes, yeah. No, I I absolutely 100% deserve that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just check VFTB. us out. VFTB. <laughs> VFTB. VFTB pod. There will be a, a website uh, coming soon. I just don't have the domain set up for it. Thank you so kindly for uh, the beautiful Game Network of Podcasts for just letting us live on their site and things like that and making that whole part of it uh, incredibly easy on us. Thank you to Thank Roughneck you. Scarves for adding another podcast to their sponsorship deal for uh, <laughs> no reason. Um, it's super helpful Uh, it's very much appreciated Um, until next week guys uh, for Cat Jr. for Chuck Booth for Justin Ashcraft this has been Evan Valala thank you for uh, listening to and hearing all about our views from the bridge and uh, we'll talk to you guys all soon